Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Our text this morning is from the book of Daniel. And um, this is the story of four young men who've been captured by the Babylonians and hauled off from Jerusalem. Babylon went into Jerusalem and, and basically had their way with that city three times. And they carted off the brightest and the best. And this is the story of four young men who were among those brightest and best and yet who would not comply with the tyrant, Nebuchadnezzar. They stood by faith and faced down this one who was by, by their testimony and by their courage, he was moved to acknowledge the reality of God. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the first chapter of Daniel. Among these who were taken to Babylon were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's rich food or the wine which he drank. Therefore he asked the chief eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the, ch in the, sh sight of the sh chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to, to Daniel, I will fear lest the Lord my God who appointed your food and drink, should see that you are in poorer condition than the youths who are of your own age. So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat at the king's rich food table be observed by you, and according to what you see, deal with your servants. So he hearkened to them in this manner, and he's tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's rich food. So the stewards took away their rich food and the wine which they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill and all letters and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them and among them all was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every manner of wisdom and understanding concerning which the king inquired of them, 
He found them 10 times better than the magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. And Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. And from the book of Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove that which is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So at the end of the day, dad would come home and sit down with mom and they'd have a glass of wine. And typically dad was complaining about stuff at work. He was working for the Air Force. He was an engineer for over 40 years. And um, he had to deal with politics. If you can believe that, working for the government, he had to deal with politics. And um, he, had a, he had a boss that he was rather suspicious of. And he had no reason really to question his character, except that he had a tendency, his boss did, to sort of hang out with the colonels at the base, at March Air Force Base in Riverside. And so he had a, a way of kind of hanging out with all the big shots on the base. And Dad never did that. Dad just was doing his job. Well, one project came up, and Dad came home one day and said, I saved the government $8 million by coming in with an alternative bid. And he was, he was proud. He was talking to Mom about it. And, um, and, and they, I, I just remember that they talked about it a little bit, but then they moved on. But then Dad came back about three weeks later and he said, that Marv Dyke, he gave the contract to one of his buddies. And that $8 million went by the wayside. Taxpayers' money. Dad was furious. And he talked to mom, went on and on. And then I do remember also that at one point, maybe a year later, Dad told mom that he was not elevated from a GS-12 to a GS-13 because he was opposing his boss. That's the kind of house I grew up in. <laughs> you don't go along to get along. You don't do those kinds of political compromises. You do what has to be done because it's the right thing to do, not because it scooches you forward a little bit. Do the right thing. Well, that's the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These, these four young men, they came in to Babylon as teenagers. And when they were recognized for their phenomenal talent, their intelligence, and their charm, the chief of the eunuchs, whoever that was, 
put them in charge of almost everything. And they finally got to see the king, they finally got to see the king himself, Nebuchadnezzar. And he was so impressed. But starting out, they would not eat that which was fed to them by the king. Starting out, they already had such a sense of, of identity of who they were as children of God, of sons of God, that they wouldn't go about the life of that pagan conqueror. And this powerful, powerful man, they simply did what they had to do and stood up against him. Now this didn't endear them, but they didn't lose their jobs. They were so bright, they were capable of continuing on. But then the king decides that he's going to build a statue and that he was going to insist that everyone bow down to the statue. A large statue that was to represent the power of the kingdom. And whenever the trumpet sounded, everyone was to bow down to the statue. And of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were caught not bowing down. They were caught not worshiping a false god. They were caught not complying with the directions of the tyrants. And as you, you all know the story from Sunday school, they were thrown into the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those guards who took them to the, the, the furnace themselves were, were barbecued because the fire was so hot, but they stood in that service that, that furnace untouched. And there was a fourth image seen in that fiery furnace. And we believe in retrospect, reading back, that that was a presence of Christ himself in the fiery furnace with, with those three. But it's a story of what it means to not cave in, not stand with those who go along to get along, but stand instead, stand instead with what is right and what is good. What's the right thing to do? Well, at the, at the, initi at the initiation of a new regime in Europe, there were instructions put out to end all prayer in schools and control the actions and behaviors of churches. And education would be defined by the state. And this gave rise to a fearful people as they were wondering what on earth would happen to them if they did not comply. 1932 in Germany. And the first to stand up against them because they wouldn't salute, they wouldn't comply, they wouldn't do the things that the, the incoming Nazi regime was demanding of them were the Jehovah Witnesses. And these dear people were persecuted and carted off, many of them into concentration camps. They stood up against it. And then the church in Germany was split some wanted to go along to get along, and others said, no, this is wrong. But then when, when the churches were, Im 
were forced to include what was called the Arian paragraph, which precluded inclusion in the church anyone who was of Jewish descent and anyone who was even married to a Jew, so any clergy, any clergy of, of Jewish descent. Now, mind you, many Jews were converted into Christianity, but they would be excluded with the inclusion of the Arian paragraph. Most of the churches went along. But then there was the, the Confessing Church of Germany. And some of these names live to this day, Karl Barth and Martin Niemöller. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, these great pastors who stood up and, and stood for what was right, what was the good and the right thing to do. They stood up against what was the wrong thing to do. And then this week I had the privilege of joining Dave Miller and the new chaplain up at Moorings Park. Emilio Chaviano, Emilio Chaviano, 87-year-old who came to the United States as a, as a young man, 17-year-old man from Cuba. He told the story of how he went back because 20 years later because his father had died. And the entire time he was there, he was being watched by state police. And they brought him in to interrogate him and find out what on earth was going, wrong, going on. Why was he there? He said, my father died. They watched him. And when he got on the bus to go to, back to Havana to catch a plane, there was someone there on the bus with him. And then when he was on the plane, there was an empty seat that was only for him. And the one next to him was someone who was there to watch him, to monitor him. professor of history at Yale, Carlos Eire, came to the United States in, as a 10-year-old boy in 1960 from Cuba. This is a bit of a long quote, but I want to read the entire thing. The sudden eruption of dissent in Cuba was caused by a perfect storm of calamities, all of which revealed the big lie of the revolution. Lately, life in Cuba has become more unbearable than, than ever before for just about every Cuban. The crisis is due to a long string of blunders and catastrophes linked like beads on, on a rosary from hell. The loss of revenue from Venezuela, a collapsed economy, gargantuan foreign debt, a disastrous sugar har harvest, uncontrolled inflation, a plague that is intensifying in Cuba rather than abating a crumbling health care system, medications and shortages, food shortages, water shortages, electricity blackouts, and increased repression, to name but a few. Never mind the sanctions by the United States or the so-called embargo that Cuba's military junta and many of the world's news outlets are blaming for the current crisis. These are inconsequential factors a decoy skillfully manipulated by the oligarchs in order to distract from their own ineptitude and congenital defects of the communism they embraced. These protesters know the ultimate cause of their distress is the lack of freedom in all spheres of life, which is nothing new. 
those who were in that repressed system, those who were in the Babylon of Cuba and under the governance of communism, they know how horrifically hard it is. In 2003, a bunch of ladies in Cuba whose husbands or sons or friends or fathers were incarcerated because they had the gumption to stand up and not eat from the king's table, to stand up and not bow down to the false gods put before them. These women decided that what they would do, now brace yourself, this is radical. After church on Sundays, they would all dress in white, carry flowers, and walk together in silence on the streets of their cities. The Damas del Blanco. And they were walking to protest political prisoners, those who were imprisoned because of the gumption that they had to stand up against an oppressive system. That they would not bow down to the golden image, nor would they eat the king's food. Well, we can't have this. And these women, just church ladies, I've been online and I've looked at some of their pictures. They're just so cute. Church ladies walking, carrying flowers. And it wasn't long until they were arrested, many of them beaten, imprisoned. And the oppression, the oppression continued. So the Apostle Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. Why? This world is not our home. We are temporary citizens of whatever nation we find ourselves in when we're born. But this is not our, own, our home. We're citizens of heaven. God made us for himself. We belong to him. Our identities are rooted ultimately not in nation or race or tribe. Our identities are rooted and grounded in the God who made us. We're made in his image and likeness. That's why the apostle Paul says, your bodies are not your own, they belong to the Lord. You have been bought with a price. We belong to God. So he says, do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the, the renewal of your minds. As a kid, I, I had that kind of an experience when I was in junior high. And I've shared with you before of the, the occasion of my coming to faith in Christ. But what happened after that was that I started reading the Bible. I had a J.B. Phillips translation. 
And it had, uh, it was easy to read. It had kind of a bit of an ostentatious cover on it. And so I, I would read the J.B. Phillips version, but I would hide what I was reading. It was almost like a kid looking at dirty pictures. But I, I would hide what I was reading because I was a little bit ashamed because I, I had not identified fully with what it means to belong to God and to be, to be salvaged by our Savior Christ. So I remember one, one morning I was reading and I had an English book on the outside and my Bible on the inside. Mom came in. Said, honey, you're gonna be late, late for school. And I, I looked up and I, sure enough, I had lost track of time. And I, I threw the books down on my, on my bed. And of course, the J.B. Phillips fell out on the bedspread next to the, next to the English book. Mom saw it, came up, just gave me a big kiss. And once again, Mom, I love you, honey. It's all she'd ever have to say. But that reinforced a, a change in direction for me where I was not ashamed of, of that. And, and that was reinforced by my mom and of course by my dad later on. So that the, the impulse to be transformed by the renewal of my mind rather than conform to the image of this world when I was in junior high and then high school and facing all the stuff that high school and junior high kids face and wanting to go along, not wanting to be different, not wanting to be weird, not wanting to be a nerd, I just embraced it early on and was glad I did. And I'm still a nerd to this day. And I embrace that identity with all who are being transformed by the power of Christ at work within us. To stand. Will you join me in prayer? And our Father, may we be like you. May we be changed. May we be transformed. May we please you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that our Savior was betrayed, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's, I didn't look at my bulletin ahead of time. <laughs> Are you going to sing? Okay. On the night our Savior was betrayed, when he had given thanks, he took bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat and do this remembering me. And in like manner, our Savior took the cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. 
which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth my death until I come again. As we come to the table for communion, if you feel so inclined, we have the, the versions of communion there on the front that you're welcome to take that have the, the wafer and, and the juice within it. Come to the table of our Lord.
grace of God in my flesh. pray together. Dear Father, we need holy food and drink to survive. We need the spiritual food that you provide. So may we be transformed according to your will, taking on your image and likeness, living for you. We ask this even as we pray as your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. 
For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.